0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm your guest host, Haisha Yu, and today I'm speaking with my guest, Aaron Devent. Aaron is the founder and CEO of Network, a premier e-commerce platform offering live stream shopping to the North American market. Launched in 2018, Network has already taken off by storm among Gen Z audiences, working with brands and artists such as Billy Ellis, JoJo Cat, Food Locker, Lancôme, and Hulu, just to name a few. Welcome to the show, Aaron.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Can you kick us off by telling us a little bit more about your story and the journey that brought you to founding Network?
1: Yeah, so I've been working in the fashion and retail sector for the last 20 years. I started off in 1999 as an aspiring graphic designer, t-shirt designer, and that led me through a career of of working at a few streetwear brands in Los Angeles in the late 90s, early 2000s, to eventually starting my own brand, which uh, became semi-successful. And through that process of having my own streetwear brand and learning how everything works from designing, manufacturing, sales, distribution, marketing, of learning the clothing business from the inside out, I started to go to a lot of trade shows. So These were business to business fashion trade shows. This was before the direct consumer revolution when wholesale was really the the, the main distribution source for almost all brands unless you were going to go and open your own flagship stores. And traveling for years to shows in New York, Las Vegas, California, Europe, I um, you know got familiar with the trade show circuit and in 2002, at the age of 19. I looked around and said, hey, you know, how hard could it be to start my own kind of disruptive, innovative trade show company focused on niche streetwear, fashion, independent brands? And in January of 2003, I launched my own trade show company called Agenda. And I started working on that for the next decade and slowly but surely built that into the largest streetwear, sneaker, action sports trade show in the world. And I'm I'm kind of condensing a 10-year period there, but learned a lot. I ended up working with a few thousand different brands, 10 to 20,000 retailers per year, hundreds of different media outlets, agencies, investors, athletes, musicians, et cetera, and really just met an entire ecosystem of of creative people across that world and made a lot of great connections. In 2013, I sold that business to the largest trade show company in the world called Reed Exhibitions. Mm -hmm. And I stayed on there to work for the next five years, helping run the company, acquiring other trade show assets launching other new trade show concepts in 2016 i worked with my friends at complex media to launch kind of the future of uh consumer shopping events called complex con which Uh is essentially comic-con for sneakerheads. and that was a in real life event that was purchased it was kind of open to the public kind of like somewhere between a shopping event and a music festival put together And people Uh would pay $100, $200 to walk in to go shopping for exclusive sneakers and listen to music and engage in in exclusive content and panels and immersive art exhibitions. So that was kind of a very innovative new way of of emerging yourself in shopping. And all these collective experiences really led me to a group of investors and co-founders in 2018 to focus on launching Network, which would basically, the the rough idea was what is QVC meets Comic-Con, right? Right, yeah. What is, you know, what we think of as live shopping, television in the traditional sense here in America combined with this new model that was coming from Asia with live stream native commerce like Taobao uh, with a merchandising and curatorial strategy of something that was very pop culture driven and fandom driven. And, um, you know, we took some of those basic ideas and I've been working on this with uh, my two co-founders since uh, May of 2018 and we've been off to the races ever since.
0: Great, it's amazing. Like I, I like how you describe your journey from live events, trade shows to live commerce. It's all connected, right? About people, about culture, about how do you bring the experience to yeah, think, to the end consumer.
1: Yeah. I think the relationships I built with the brands and the retailers and the media transcend into this business, and also just the idea I was building a marketplace, but it was a physical marketplace, and now we're doing that in a digital sense. And I wanted to really refocus my career on digital because digital is obviously the future. Mm
0: -hmm. So when you started building Network, what were you envisioning and how has the platform evolved to where it is today?
1: Yeah, I think in the very beginning, we were doing one to three live streams a week. So it was an extremely curated amount of content and products that was very urgency driven and appointment based where let's Mm -hmm. say we'd get tens of thousands of people to tune in for one live stream once a day, right? So mm-hmm. it was the opposite of selection of inventory. It was you know, the inverse of that. Literally, it could be right. one product, one sneaker, or one small capsule collection and telling a really deep story around that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that evolved over time for becoming a very sparsely curated retail operation to becoming a very diversified marketplace of live video over a four-year period. So now what was once... You know, one live video a day in 2019 is now 50 to 100 to sometimes 200 live streams per day in 2022 here, and the categorization of what we've gone after, and our I call it our expanding our aperture of the types of brands, products, and creators that are on the platform has drastically expanded. It still all clearly fits into something that we believe appeals to a pop culture-obsessed millennial Gen Z consumer,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: now we're in categories like trading cards we're in categories like sneaker resale we're in categories like art, designer toys collectibles, you know the the lens of the products and the creators we have has drastically expanded over the years
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great uh, Yes, segue to the question I wanted to ask you because Network offers online shopping feature and from anything like uh, clothing and to collector's items, I saw Pokemon cards that I'm familiar with at uh, the home goods how do you decide what to curate? I think that's a like challenging question, right? Merchandising. Like how do you decide what what's next? What like what does and how, how does it look like for an individual brand to to launch or to sell on your platform?
1: Yeah, I think one of the main things we look at when curating the network platform is these fandom driven communities. And we look for different interest groups and consumers where the fans of those particular verticals, they're obsessed, right? And these are the kind of people that would go to a convention, kind of like the businesses I had before, right? These are the kind of people that would line up outside a sneaker store for a drop or, Uh you know, line up outside of a beauty convention or, you know, you know, line up at, to get merch from their favorite musician, right? So there are certain people in culture who are, their passive interests or their pastime or their hobby is their obsession and they wear it on their sleeve, like a badge of honor. So mm-hmm. we look for a certain psychographic profile of a consumer and how they interact with their their hobbies, whether it's extremely or passively. And we go for those extreme interest groups. I think that as a North Star really helps us look at then what are those those categories? What are those products? What are those verticals? Who are those creators or influencers within those verticals we can work with? And I think that is a very different way than other other retailers look at their business. Some people may look at themselves in jeans or you know sweaters right right? they're thinking about about items we less think about items we more think about communities shoppable communities as we call them and then we think okay what are the products they're interested in And then we try to feed into that and um you know it's a very unique way of looking at it it's been very successful for us but then that also gives us the the latitude to think about you know okay well we don't have these rigid rules where it's just you know this is our jean section or this is our top section It could literally be selling a couch if it fits into the type of couch that we want to sell, if if their favorite street artist designed that couch. right? Mm -hmm. And it could drive us into all kinds of different interesting things that we think our audience could be passionate about.
0: Great. And you talk about the shoppable community. That's a great concept about like center your activities around the consumer, on the friends, on the community. And then what about the user base? and? Around 10 million of users on your platforms now, right?
1: Yeah, we have about 78% male users, so it's a very male-dominated platform. And over the next year, we'll be focusing more on growing the female side of our platform, which we haven't had too much merchandising offering yet as we haven't moved into certain verticals. And we have mostly an audience here in North America, but we do have customers from 110 different countries who purchase from our platform Mm
0: -hmm. because some
1: of the things we sell are so unique that people are willing to pay high shipping and import taxes just to get some of the unique exclusive items that we work on. And um, audiences growing by the day with you know some of these new verticals we're moving into, let's say like um, trading cards, like you mentioned Pokemon a little, little uh-huh. bit ago, or sports trading cards or entertainment trading cards. That's become one of our biggest categories in less than six months. That's now representing a huge percentage of the transactions. So there's a lot of interesting growth coming from new verticals, new passionate fan bases and new geographics as we continue to expand.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Talking yeah. about growth, you cannot ignore competitors, right? Like so, now we have uh, TikTok in North America, and then we mentioned before our conversation that we have the platforms uh, Amazon or Meta are launching the live shopping capabilities as well. And then, how have you seen the, the how has this rise of the other apps or uh, scenarios impacted your user base or growth strategy?
1: Yeah, So there's. There's a large, let's say, set of competitive live shopping platforms out there, and I categorize them in different ways. There's a lot of what I would call SaaS white label software solutions, which independent or large enterprise direct to consumer brands and plug in a a solution to do video on their website. Now, that's not a marketplace, but it allows them to to sell directly and add video as a new engagement component. So that's not Mm -hmm. really competitive with us the technology is similar, but they're not aggregating hundreds or thousands of brands and creators into one. It's more helping an individual brand have a new way to speak to their consumers. So that's on one end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum is platforms like network. And what I mean by that is independently venture, independently owned venture backed platforms that focus on, let's say, different subcultures. So there may be someone who's doing something like network, but just for beauty or just for trading cards, okay. or there may be someone eventually who does it for luxury, which I haven't seen yet, right? So mm-hmm kind of very niche-focused marketplaces on on subcultures or pop culture. And then in the middle is these, let's call it enterprise or publicly traded social and video platforms that are featurizing live video shopping, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you mentioned. That's where the TikTok, the meta platforms, the YouTube, anyone else could sit, right? Right. Now, what's interesting is that the conventional wisdom would be because those companies have so much audience that they would be the dominant players in North America in live shopping. Right. And even as you've seen with uh, TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, Yin is very successful in China with live shopping yeah. now right. and, and many other platforms. Yeah. In America, I think culturally what's happened is Meta through Facebook and Instagram entered the live shopping and social commerce market and now they've completely retreated. And they've actually made a public announcement. They're pulling back. They're moving right. the staff off of it. And now they're focusing yeah. on virtual reality. So I think what happened there, in my opinion, is that the conversion rates were very low. Mm -hmm. And TikTok also launched a live shopping product in North America and in Europe, and then they announced they're pulling it back. Now they're gonna try something again called TikTok Shops. YouTube is trying to minimal success, and even something like Twitch, who's owned by Amazon, hasn't really gone there, and Amazon has their own live product, which is a little different, because it's adding video to an existing retail. But Mm -hmm. what I think is happening is that the intentionality of a social or video platform is usually first to be there to be entertained, or mm-hmm. to engage with your friends. Therefore, the conversion rate on shopping, for whatever reason, the culturally or just engagement-wise, is like below 1% or below 0%, like .003% conversion.
0: Wow, that's look worse, these, so low, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and if
1: you look at these specialty platforms, like network or others that I mentioned, I believe all of us are getting somewhere between 4 and 15% conversion rate.
0: Wow, Because the yeah.
1: intentionality when they come to them is to go shopping. Where If I go to TikTok, well, it's a great platform with a massive amount of traffic, I'm there to have a sit back, watch experience, watch dance videos, watch viral things. I'm not there to go shopping. Now, they might be so big that that 0.00 whatever percent is still a couple billion in GMV, but it's not meaningful, I think, for any one seller or creator yet. Now, it doesn't mean they won't get there, but as of now, I believe the most GMV- is being generated by independent platforms not by large social or video platforms
0: Mm -hmm. oh that that's a great point Yeah, i agree that you need to have the certain intentions when you enter the app and then so what do you call your network then it's entertainment meets e-commerce that's what i saw the live
1: shopping platform now as a secondary function i think there is an entertainment value i think there's an educational value um, but really, first and foremost, we're a live shopping and social commerce platform that brings together shoppable communities, right? And that's the idea. Like literally in our Vicentia, our company manifesto right now, we talk about the shoppable communities that we serve and the fandom communities that we serve. So that's really uh-huh. where we stay focused. Uh-huh. And then, you know, some sellers, some creators are so good at creating the live content. It's engaging. It's entertaining. And, you know, we have some, you know, like we just released a live auctions as a new commerce modality. And some ah. people are watching these videos for 10 to 20 minutes at a time on average. Um, you know, so we're getting extremely long watch time. Even if they're not buying, they're watching. There's an engaging feature to it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Any, can you elaborate on that? Any case studies you can share with us, like any of the, the brands or any individuals that have worked with you that have excelled in this, offering these experiences?
1: Because we're pretty diverse in our product offerings, there's a, a range of different success stories and success comes in different ways. Sure. So, you know, at the top of our pyramid, we'd call that like our premium partners who are the most popular artists, brands, musicians, you know, um, celebrities, influencers in the world. Some of those people can come to network, do a 30 minute live stream with an exclusive product and make over a million dollars in just a few minutes. Right. So, right. you know, now that's very successful for us now. And Taobao in China, I think there's one influencer that made over a billion dollars in an hour, right? With the <laughs> lipstick. I, yeah, I that, that
0: was the history, right? Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. you know,
1: again, still still small compared to what's happening in China, but very, very successful for us as an independent platform. You can generate a billion, or sorry, a million dollars in GMV in just a few minutes. Um, and other ways that people are successful is the the opposite of that, where they have a very desirable product with very limited inventory and you could have 70,000 people in line trying to buy it but there's only 200 of them right. so it was the the absence of the product that made it successful the exclusivity the the wantingness to get your hands on it because you can buy it and then resell it the next day for five or 10 times the face value so those are different types of high urgency moments but i think you know in between there there's sellers who are on our platform on a weekly basis engaging with their fan community Going live between 30 minutes and three hours a day with highly engaged community with thousands of chats with hundreds of purchases per live stream. And, you know, I think the people who have a high level of consistency engaging with the community are the most successful.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. We talk about the community and then the creators and the experience and then any trends you are seeing in the experience economy, creator economy.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff happening. I think the big differentiation between network and, let's say, other marketplaces, let's say, um, whether it's Farfetch or it's StockX or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a seller, let's say a sneaker reseller, and you're selling on other platforms, your product is listed anonymously. It's just a one single listing, and then they aggregate the inventory from hundreds or thousands of endpoints, and they ship it, whoever has the closest inventory to that right, zip yep. code, Right, <laughs> right. Where a network, a reseller even, has the ability to build their own profile on the platform like a social media platform and build their own following and have a personality. So you could have three or four different people listing the same product even at different prices and, and at different times and all in the same condition, all authenticated. But you know, one person who's better on camera is going to do better selling more product than the other person, right? So it allows... This, the trend is really around like, can you be entertaining and good at video and can you create the urgency and the, the kind of people who want to tune in every week and watch you and engage in special deals, offers, promotions, et cetera. And I think that is part of the art you're seeing emerging is people starting to learn. I think mm-hmm. what we, they would call in China the KOL, um, right. or here we call the influencer, like that third part of the marketplace is like the actual on camera engagement. So that's, that's one part. As far as other mm-hmm. merchandising trends, I mean, there's so many, it's hard to name, but, like I mentioned, the trading card market has really exploded over COVID over the last year and continues to stay interesting for us. Um, and we're seeing, we're seeing other new trends emerge, you know, and we're also seeing some trends go away. So like during COVID, home goods really particularly picked up a huge amount of momentum out of nowhere on the platform. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting to die down because people are going back outside. Yeah. So we're selling yeah. more clothing now as mm-hmm. people, you know, go back out to restaurants and go on vacation. So I think there's some stuff that has to do with some of the macro Trends from lockdown, out of lockdown, and how that's changing over time.
0: Sure, of course. Then related to that, I think we touched this a little bit earlier about the luxury category, and why do we think that is not kicking off yet? I think that
1: luxury, by nature, in all aspects of their brand lifecycle, they do everything they can to protect the brand, to control the brand messaging, control the brand presence. So if you look at, you know, more than any other category, who has the most flagship standalone retail stores versus wholesale? It's luxury, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what the luxury brands are doing is instead of entering live streaming through large social or video platforms or independent platforms, they're focusing on doing their own live streams on their own website. But instead of doing one-to-many, they're doing one-to-ones, like private sessions with high-profile VIPs, VIPs, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I know like on Gucci.com, you can go on and, you know, schedule an appointment to do a one-to-one session from like a showroom and they, you know, they basically have like very high-level white-glove service. You know, for, for VIP buyers, right? If you're a VIP client of theirs. And I think many of the luxury brands are doing that because they want to control the experience and keep it within a quality level that they would have, whether it's on their retail store, on their website, because they're just very selective about everything they do. So I think that's going to be one of the challenges in luxury. And eventually, maybe you'll see one of these retailers that they're already comfortable dealing with, whether that's Neiman Marcus or whoever that may be, you know, starting to maybe do some live streaming, but it has to be, I think it's very unlikely there will be like a new independent platform that's attempting to be the luxury version of um you know network et cetera, right I think mm-hmm. that, you know it's, it'd be very hard to establish you might see someone like Netta Porter do something like this in the future I think every retailer especially in fashion will have a strategy in live and social commerce yes. uh, whether they're having it now or it'll launch in the next year I think it's going to become par for the course for anyone in the retail business if you want to stay competitive
0: Yeah I totally agree and I can totally Related to that, because uh, people are looking forward to the experience, the community, and then the stories. Like you mentioned earlier, the creators that are able to create interesting, relatable stories will be able to draw people's users' pal- like attention, right? Then, and, and this is a, the the users' attention. span is probably the the scariest resource nowadays. Uh,
1: We're all in a war, all marketers platform shopping in every aspect, not just fashion or pop culture, everything, right? Whether you're talking about cars or you're talking about soda, we're all in a war for consumer attention, right? And it's like, it's scarce, it's fragmented, especially when something like TikTok comes along and throws the whole ecosystem on its head. They're getting hours a day of engagement. They're taking that away from whether it be Netflix or YouTube or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think the beauty of live and social commerce is you get concurrent attention and focus, which is hard to get. And that ultimately results in higher conversion rates. And that's all, you know, ultimately, if you boil e-commerce down to its core, we're all looking to convert how many eyeballs into how many orders. <laughs> right. And if you can get a higher <laughs> yeah. conversion, then this is the holy grail of, of, right. of shopping right now.
0: Yeah. Concurrent attention. I have not heard that word before. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Concurrent attention. I think that's uh, the holy grail of uh, the, the success eventually.
1: Yeah. I mean, other than let's say a live television event, which is downtrended, like watching the Oscars or a football or basketball game, um, you know, how do you get concurrent attention, right? You get many people thinking about one thing at one time and that's very hard. And live shopping is one of those few things you can do. Um, and it's hard to gather people live, Um, you know, because people want to, or we're used to this on demand culture. We used to watch a television show at the same day, at the same time. Now yeah. we just binge watch it on Netflix whenever we want. So we're used to, Everything becoming on demand: cars, content, food, right? So, yeah. actually, live shopping is actually a, a drastic behavioral shift back in another direction of of uh, asking people to bend to your will versus the other way around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, what do you see for the future of network?
1: You know, we're really just focused on growing the audience, growing into more categories, and delivering a engaging. Live experience, and that really comes on continuing to refine the live experience and offer new commerce modalities. And what I mean by commerce modalities is, you know, when we launched, it was just a static purchase. You know, this week we rolled out something like live auctions, which is a more engaging, dynamic, you know, way of shopping. And then following that, there is, you know, other ways. You know, if you look at, let's say, like in China, like Pendulo, I think they lots of US things like group buy, right? So there's all these right. different ways. Of, of using the community to make the shopping experience dynamic, whether that's getting a discount, whether that's you know having people from the audience pulled onto stage and talking to the to the seller or the creator, right? How do we mm-hmm. make it a truly interactive, engaging experience with surprise and delight, and something more than just like a flat picture of a t-shirt against a white background and a buy button? Right, <laughs> that's what <laughs> is, Amazon right? is. On one end of the spectrum, we want to have something totally different over here. It's engaging, and then you know, how do you use this two-way interface on your phone, right? As, you know, right? we, we think a lot, even as, as people that build apps and, and technology products, we're broadcasting at them. But how do you allow what the consumer's doing at their home to engage back into the show, audience polls, trivia, auctions, just like, you know, we want to make it dynamically engaging. And I think that's what we spend a lot of time thinking about. How do you engage the community to create this two-way experience?
0: Any Web3 initiative going toward that direction? We, we played I, around.
1: Yeah. With web three last year, you know, we did some stuff. We made a couple million dollars. You know, I believe in the technology and I believe that one day, if we ever launch like our Amazon prime, let's call it membership type product or loyalty yeah. type product it could be on a, on a token or, or be built on blockchain. But you know, everyone got really frothy on the idea of mm-hmm. NFTs and digital fashion. And, you know, I think that stuff will come, but I'm not focused on it. I feel like. You know, that was a little ahead of the curve and like we're really focused on selling physical products. And, you know, we work with some digital fashion brands and some Web3 brands, but that's not necessarily a core focus of ours.
0: Great. Thank you. I think we have to wrap up now, but I feel like we've just started the conversation and good (laughs) luck in all the new exciting initiatives you're doing with the network and other business in your in your mind and uh, it's truly a pleasure talking to you today aaron
1: thank you for having me it's a pleasure thank you for listening to the rethink retail podcast don't forget to join us next week for another episode and if you're interested in being a guest on the show apply at rethink.industries podcast guest that's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes Podcast app. Until next time.